to The Clutter Queen. Here I talk about all things that make up the disability world and in short, make us different, unique, or beautifully weird. Here we embrace all of what makes us, us. Hi everyone. Um, I just wanna say thank you for being patient with me. <laughs> like when I tell you my time, time management and prioritizing what I need to get done these past few weeks have been off. They have been off. And I just want to say I'm sorry. Um, I have I was on an art show last Friday and then a wedding last weekend and I've just been on the go. I'm also transitioning to a new job. So I'm like currently in the midst of trying to quit my old one, but as you can see, I still have not quit that job because I'm emotionally attached to it. But other than that, I do have a podcast for today. I'm a day late, um, but I have had a pleasure to interview Walana Phillips. She's an author, writer, and currently Ohio State undergrad, and she'll graduate this May. And she, me and her, her and I had a great conversation about bipolar depression, which I didn't know was a thing until I met her. So... Um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and cannot wait for you guys to hear what she has to say. Thank you. Hi everyone. Um, today we have Walana Phillips here with me. Um, we actually met a few years ago. I'm not sure what exactly. I think it was before COVID, but I'm not sure what year it was. Um, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember either. But I remember as... Um, both been going to Ohio State, and I think I actually found you through the Ohio State group chat, the BOC group chat. Mm. I feel like it was that, because it's like a, it's a group chat for people of color on campus, and I think I sent like a DM or like a text asking for people, if like anyone wants to be in my like art podcast thing, hit me up, and I think she hit me up. I could be wrong, I got this, this is all going to be made uh, up. Sure, we met through the OSU BOSU group chat. Um, I'm gonna have her introduce herself and just say a little bit about her hobbies and where she's from. And yeah, hi guys, um, Jelana here. Um, I was born and raised here in Columbus, Ohio. I'm 22 years old. I am a senior slash fifth year at OSU. I'm studying English. Hopefully, I graduate in May. Pray for me. You will. Amen. <laughs> Um, I love to write. That's what English is my major. Um, I love to write, but I think I want to be an English teacher, so I'm kind of taking that route. Um, I don't really have much free time, but in my free time, I like to write, um, journal, go on walks when it's not cold. Um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, that was that was good. She's also a really great author. I read her book recently, I Said on Me, which was at least you said during COVID mm-hmm. a few years ago. And I, I didn't finish the book yet, but I did I did I think I got like halfway through. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it was so like involved. Like I had yeah. to be involved in the book. Yeah. Like I had to work. Mm-hmm. Cause like her book is a it's a book, but it has like a lot of journal entries and then it's kind of like you're emailing the person mm-hmm. like you back and forth mm-hmm. in the book and you have to like write your own responses and plan out your own like goals and create your own like self-reflection basically like email so that surprised me but i was happy because i actually had to put some work in so it was good um so anyway i'm interviewing her today because um 
I wanted to discuss bipolar depression um, with her and I will have her explain that to you guys. I'm not really familiar with it. I've been learning through like podcasts and TED Talks and YouTube, but again, I'm not a doctor or psychologist. So I'm gonna have her explain to her, her personally like, what that is to her. So I'm not a doctor either, so I can't give you like the medical term, but for me when I think of, well, when people think of bipolar, they usually think of like a pendulum of someone being in one mood one minute and then the next, a different mood the next minute. But so think about that with depression. So I've struggled with depression since I was like 12 years old and that pendulum has been on and off. So I've had depression on and off since then. Um, so that's what bipolar depression means to me. It's just feeling good in one season and feeling completely horrible the next season. And of course, with the seasons, like many people feel that way, but like depression is a whole different ballpark. So I've, I haven't experienced depression. I think, I don't know, but I remember when I was in middle school, I remember feeling, I think I was in middle school and you know, in your middle school, you feel like you're always constantly mm-hmm. in these weird puberty mm-hmm. stages and dealing with like boys and mm-hmm. or girls or whatever your preference is. And I think I remember like taking two weeks of really feeling down and not eating anything. Mm-hmm. And I probably lost like a total of five pounds. I think I was borderline anorexic at a point. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure entirely why I was dancing a lot and I was, I was going to all white ballet school and mm-hmm. I had like a lot of girls who didn't look like me mm-hmm. and I was always very like voluptuous. So mm-hmm. I remember just trying to fit that narrative of how like the ballet dancers should like, should look like. And so I think that was experience for me, depression, borderline. But again, I never experienced some kind of like long term mm-hmm. or um, just overwhelming feeling of just yeah. feeling down. Yeah. I've had friends who have and family members, but personally, I have not. This is a whole topic for me. Anxiety, I can discuss that all day long. But mm-hmm. depression, bipolar depression, I cannot. So, um, how does it feel for them to coexist together in a way? Are they coexisting together or are they just like one thing is like just one thing together? What bipolar depression and anxiety? Bipolar depression. Oh. I feel like it's one thing just because it's for me it's really the d- depression. It just comes and goes sometimes. Um, the bipolar is just like a time frame. It's not really the diagnosis of bipolar, if that makes sense. Um but yeah, I do have anxiety too, so I thought that's what you were asking. Mm. Those coexist. But yes, they do. <laughs> but <laughs> Um, but yeah, bipolar depression, I see it as like one thing. Okay. Okay, cool. And what does your diagnosis story look like? Well, I wasn't diagnosed by a doctor until last year, so 2021, but like I was harming myself and like mm-hmm. not eating and like basically what you said since I was 12. So that kind of like self-diagnosis, like something's not right there. Mm-hmm. So, um, I knew something was wrong way back when, um, but it wasn't until last year that like I was like literally told by a doctor like, hey, you have bipolar depression and anxiety. Last year? Last year. So you spent your whole life not really knowing from like a physician or professional mm-hmm. what you were going through. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew I had depression. It was just not medically prescribed. Is that the word? Um, um, I think that's for medicine. <laughs> Medically, uh, diagnosed. Diagnosed. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, like, I always knew I had, a, like, something was wrong, but it wasn't until last year that I was diagnosed by a doctor and started medication. 
So when you got diagnosed, how did that go? You saw a doctor one day and just told him how you were feeling or? Yeah, I just like gave her the whole story of my life and just like how I've been struggling since, like I said, since I was 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was just like, well, it sounds like you have this. And I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Did you ever Google it at home when you were younger, like to figure out like symptoms or? No. I didn't know the term, like, bipolar depression. I just, it wasn't until college, like, my first year, because I was studying social work, mm-hmm. that I, like, heard of the term. Like, I knew depression was a thing, but I didn't know, like, bipolar depression was a thing. Because I would go period, through periods of when I was, like, fine. So I'm like, oh, I'm not depressed anymore. I'm fine. But then I would go through a depressive cycle. I'm like, oh, something's not right again. So yeah. just knowing that, like, that in and out type thing is, like, a medical there's a medical term for it yeah well do you ever like google like how you felt like google like like does anyone ever feel this way feel like highs and lows like i know i go on better when i'm ever feeling like anxious like if anyone feels this way and i get responses on the people's feelings and how they felt and kind of compare them to my feelings and i get like a lot of similarities similarities not really i feel mm. like i grew up around a lot of depressed people mm. So it was kind of felt like the norm. So like last week when we had our call mm-hmm. and you said that you've never experienced depression, I'm like, I didn't know that could exist. <laughs> You're talking about you didn't know yeah. like depression was like, like see, like I'm serious. And I'm thinking like everybody is a little depressed. If you're not, then what's going on with you? <laughs> it's crazy because it's just like my dad is very depressed when he was younger. Like mm-hmm. I want to say 12, 13, because his brother passed away when he was. 12 wow. from drugs and so like mm-hmm. that took a toll on him yeah. and he, I remember him crying to me about it like years ago about what he went through he said it was a period of like I think a year of him just feeling very very like dark like a dark mm-hmm. hole and to see my dad experience that I never experienced that I just I felt a lot of sympathy towards him mm-hmm. empathy a lot because I, I like empathy I couldn't empathize because I, I, I never experienced that kind of feeling but I could sympathize with him but I felt really sorry um but yeah, I've never experienced it before, and like I'm not saying that I won't in the future. Mm-hmm. But for now, I haven't touched that yeah. mental challenge yet. Anxiety, I have touched. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they can go coexist together yeah. for sure. Um, but that's really. I don't think I've. And then I have yeah friends who are depressed too. Um, but another question was, what does it feel like to have a lifelong mental disorder with bipolar depression? To me, I don't think it's lifelong, mm. um, especially now since I started my medication again and I feel like I have a different perspective. I may t- be taking medicine for the rest of my life. Okay. Who knows? I'm okay with that. I'm, whatever happens, happens. I just want to be healthy and happy. But um, right now, I'm just taking it day by day. Okay. That's great. And like discussing medication, because we discussed this last week for a pre-interview too. Mm-hmm. And I will, not going to lie, medication... I've always kind of been iffy on just because from what I've heard from like Google reviews or like friends mm-hmm. and family, like mm-hmm. medications can like can make you dependent upon it and doesn't really help you get better. It kind mm-hmm. of masks the symptoms. So how do you feel about that? What's your take on medication? Um, this may be extreme, but it kind of feels like a prosthetic arm to me. Mm. It's like without it, something is broken. Something is not complete not saying you're not complete like without all of your limbs or whatever like you're still a whole person but like physically and like for me it'll be mentally of like I feel like something is not right if I'm not taking my medicine it's like I want to be right I want to feel normal mm-hmm. so if I have to add this addition to my body if I have to add this addition addition to like my life I'm going to do it in order to feel normal to feel whole that makes a lot of sense I think with me now like hearing you say that 
I get a better sense of a medicine can be very helpful. I'm not saying that it ever can't be, but I think what what kind of made me kind of hesitant against medications, and I, I must, that was my first therapy session. Um, this is like COVID, yeah. like two years ago. And my therapist described, prescribed Xanax to me in our first session. I'm just like, can we discuss holistic ways first? And then, like, oh, she's really good for Xanax. I was like, girl, like, to my first, our first talk, like, I'm not, no, like, I want to see what else I can do because, first of all, I hate swallowing pills. Mm, yeah. And then also, it's just like, I want to make sure I explore all my, all my options mm-hmm. first before I de- de- like deep dive into, you know, pills or man-made mm. stuff and but it's, it's really cool to hear your take about how it can be very beneficial mm-hmm. and not something that has to be like a dependency mm-hmm. or you know do you do anything else besides medication help you with depression or bipolar depression um not at the moment i've tried yoga um i've tried working out but that was like back when i i hate working out oh god <laughs> i feel like that would make my depression worse than working out no I want to start, but it's just me and the gym. We got beef right now. But uh, so I've tried yoga. I've tried like exercising. Um, I've tried cannabis. Mm. Um, let's see what else have I tried. I mean, I journal. Um, I try to be creative, but medicine is like I know it works on a like biological level. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know it's not just meditating. It's not going to help me feel better because there's something chemically wrong right, in my brain. Right, so. right, And I think with depression, from what I've heard and seen online, is that it's, it's a chemical process in your brain that's like just mm-hmm. not correct or right or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think with anxiety, it's more of a overall, like, body metaphysical mm-hmm. sense where, like, okay, yeah. well, you don't really need medication, but if you, like, try, like you know, meditating mm-hmm. or breath work or working mm-hmm. out or eating better, mm-hmm. that could help you, you know, I feel like a lot more, like, I feel like anxiety is like a very much like physical sensation where depression is like mental yeah. and brain. Yeah, so that's good. definitely yeah. different. And that's, that's a lot of science. Um, so you said you were 12 when you first diagnosed, well, not diagnosed, but you were 12 years old when you first noticed bipolar depression. Mm-hmm. So when you first noticed, was it as severe? Like, have you, have you had periods where it's like not severe at other times? Like, yeah, there's been times when I felt like down, like just like, oh no, the world is pretty crappy and this is going on, that's going on. And I just like really like don't like myself right now. Like mm-hmm. I've had those moments, but then I've had moments where like I've been like this close to admitting myself to a mental hospital because mm-hmm. it's been that bad. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what okay. And when it gets that bad, like, do you call someone or? Mm-hmm. This last time I went to my parents' house, I like, it was like one in the morning and crawled into bed with them and just cried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, no, I'm so grateful because I feel like 12 year old, 14 year old, 17 year old Jelana would not have done that. Really? Yeah. Wow. Let's yeah. enter it. I, like, I think like someone being that young, how do you even know what, how to do? Like, I feel like you're so strong to be 12 years <laughs> old and like experience what you experience and not go to your mom and dad be like, hey, mom and dad, I'm feeling this way or like not mm-hmm. cry to them. Did you cry to like any friends or you just like, it was so like you alone in this whole entire thing when you were younger? Like I said, a lot of my friends were depressed as well. Mm-hmm. So when we got together, it was just like, we're going to have the best time that we can when we're together and whatever happens after this, we just we'll try to ride it out and come back stronger tomorrow. But, um, 
I feel like my parents were, they're very, uh, like, heavily involved in the church. Mm. So they're, I feel like they've always been, like, occupied with the spiritual needs of, like, a lot of other people. So I didn't want to seem like a burden. So that's one reason why I never really had, like, gone to them. I reached out to an uncle, Stafford, if you're listening. I love you. Um, he really helped me get through, like, a, like the first really dark time in my life. Um, we just met one time during Bible study. We met in the basement of the church, and we just talked. And I told him everything that I've been through, how I was hurting myself, how I wanted to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And he really just, like, talked me through all of that. And he was able to, like, kind of pull me out of that dark spot. That's beautiful. <laughs> My uncle, he's an alcoholic, so I can't, I can't even talk. I don't talk. mean a lot. I do not mean a lot. No, because I can't talk to him about this kind of stuff. I wish I could, but he is just no use sometimes. <laughs> um, but that's great. You have family who's very caring open. Because I feel like a lot of times, like a lot of black families, mm. the discussion of mental health isn't as apparent as it should mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. And that's why you don't see many of us in therapy or trying, like, medication or meditation or whatever and like but we'll drink and we'll do like Mm -hmm. drugs but we will never like talk about how we're feeling yep because i even have friends or people i just talked to in the past who will smoke cannabis all day long because they're feeling anxious Mm -hmm. and it's like well why don't you try this because i believe anything can be a drug no matter what food Mm -hmm. sugar weed whatever it can be a drug and so i think that if we have more discussions like this we're you know, both black women discussing these kind of things, I think that we can really change the narrative of, like, yes, people being hooked on, like, alcohol or definitely. weed or whatever to fill that void of pain they're feeling. Um, and speaking of that, do you, so what stigmas do you know are around bipolar depression or either or depression or bipolarism? Um, hmm. Maybe one that you people who are depressed are, like, lazy. Mm. But it's like, I literally can't muster up the energy to get up because I'm so sad. And it's not like, a, it's like, sad is not a good word because people are just like, just get over it, feel better. But like, to be like depressed is to like physically feel the weight of your sadness. So it's like, I, my body is, if my body is aligned with my brain, if my brain is telling me that the world is shitty or the world is bad and things are crazy then like my body's gonna agree with that and not want to be a part of that so it's like I don't know it's just like a cycle of like head and body Mm -hmm. especially when spirit gets involved it's just a lot of like heaviness and nobody wants to work nobody wants to go socialize when you feel that way so we're not lazy we're just literally just can't And, and you know what? I understand that. I really do because there have been times where it happens after because I've lost a loved one. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like I feel that same weight. It's mm-hmm. like you physically just, like I said, feel sad. And that weight is so heavy. And you can't even explain it because I feel like with me, when I get sad like that from, um, you know, my grandfather dying, I was like underwater. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I just could not mm-hmm. get about this, this deep pool. So. Yes, and that's that's what depression is. It's feeling stuck under water. Like, uh, Will you put yourself good. through? Ah. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just now reaching shore. I wouldn't even say, re- I, I'm just now seeing the shore, you know? Yeah, but at least you're seeing it. At least you're, you know, trying to get there. Um. And then, so I heard her podcast, she's on, on YouTube, 
earlier today, and I forgot that your friend's channel was even channel name. Diverse Network. Diverse Network. Um, and you were on it last year, a few years ago, and you're talking about being vulnerable and talking about, you know, how it's okay to cry in front of people and to feel your feelings Mm -hmm. and to express that to others and especially to yourself. And so can you kind of talk about what it means to be vulnerable and how vulnerability isn't something that you have to be scared of or it's not a weakness? I think people misuse the term misery loves company Mm -hmm. because people are most often like, oh, like people want to throw a pity party or like people who are miserable love making other people miserable. But it's like there's camaraderie I think that's how you say it, mm-hmm. in vulnerability. Like, when you think about our instinct, like our natural primal instincts, like when we experience something, our body goes into fight, fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And we experience that with other people, but we don't experience the, like, come down of that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, like mm-hmm. with other people. So, like, we, we experience all of this crap throughout the day, but we don't talk about it with other people. Like... It makes no sense. If you experience stuff with other people, why don't you talk about it with other people so you can heal and get over it together rather than experiencing all the bad stuff with other people than going, like, by yourself to deal Mm -hmm. with all of it. Like, you physically can't carry the weight of all of that by yourself. Like, misery needs company. Um, but yeah, misery loves company. And, I'm sorry, what'd you say? (laughs) Misery needs company. Misery needs company. Yes, because... It's like if me and you experience a car crash together or some kind of like school shooting, mm-hmm. we both experience a traumatic event together. Mm-hmm. And it's like for us to go home and then feel depressed, sad, anxious about what happened, but do it alone doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Because it's like we literally share the same experience. So why not heal in that experience? Mm-hmm. So, and I love that because I never thought about that at all. And I can't think of a time, I'm trying to think in my past, where I've experienced my events with my friends. Um, I can't right now off the top of my head, but I do know I have in the past, and I'm just not sure why I didn't go to them or ask them. Like, I'll ask them, like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. But we'll never discuss meeting up mm-hmm. to talk about it or meditate together. Mm-hmm. No. So, but that was really, really good that you touched on that. Um, I feel like it's not even just... Um, like, it's something that you've experienced together. It's just a common experience. Like, mm-hmm. say we both went to the grocery store and forgot our card, like, in the car or something. Like, we weren't together, but we couldn't talk about that experience because we both both experienced it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, even just sharing your experience, if I hadn't told you that I went to the store and forgot my card in the car, you wouldn't have been able to have that, like, hey, me too type of moment. Yeah, right. And I think even at my job, because, you know, I don't know why, but coworkers, they would be, my, not my nerves, but they just be no, funny. And it's like, sometimes I feel like it's, I have to force myself to talk to them about, like, things that I experience. Like, nothing crazy, but just mm-hmm. my day. Because I'm, like, mm-hmm. I'm very private with certain things, especially at work, because I don't really trust people. Right. And so I'm trying now to be more open, but it's hard for me. But now hearing you say that, like, why not just share, like, little things mm-hmm. that could create common ground with some people, I'm like, yeah. And it could make the relationship, I don't want to say, like, stronger, but just make it more at ease, mm-hmm. you know, especially with social anxiety, which I've experienced, too. It's like, you know, I feel like we've all experienced certain emotions, especially when it comes to anxiety before, so why not discuss these things or just make it easier or put people at ease, you know? Mm-hmm. So I love that. So I know you wanted to discuss your new poetry that you've written. Oh, goodness. I read <laughs> I read your um, most recent post. I think it came out in November? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Remember it? Not off of my head. But <laughs> I remember like reading it and um, yeah, it's, I don't know why. I clicked the PDF, but it won't pop up my screen because I think my computer just had bad Wi-Fi or whatever. But can you explain your poetry to us or at least most recently? Wait, what? Which one? The one that I posted recently was on the white gaze. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that, that wasn't poetry. That was just a piece that I wrote for class. But I okay. was like, this would be cool to share with everybody. So, um, And that's just about how black people peacock um, in order to appease the white gaze. Mm. Sorry, I love that. that no, was, you're good. That listen, was, sorry. Ooh. No, listen. It, it had me so shook. I got it from, it's a show on Netflix called Black AF by Kenya Barris. Mm-hmm. I know he's getting some hate right now, but that show was so funny. I related to it so much. Um... But yeah, that's what that piece was about. But I did take two poetry classes this past semester, so I do have more poetry. Okay, that was great. And you know what? I don't want to admit it, but you're right with the peacock, like people like having the peacock feathers and always mm-hmm. trying to appease other people, especially mm-hmm. white people. Mm-hmm. And we can go to whole feel about that too. And I guess we can kind of talk about it in terms of the whole depression. Do you think there is a difference between um, how white people are treated with mental health versus people of color? Yes. <laughs> it makes me think of a comedy sketch I just saw. I can't remember who it was, but they were just saying how when black people um, do drugs, no, when white people do drugs, there people are like, oh, like, come in, let's, like, get you some food. Are you hungry? Do you need anything? Mm-hmm. And then when black people, like, are on drugs, they call them crackheads. Or they're like, don't let him in my house because you know he be stealing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, and I feel like that's how it is when it comes to depression. Like, when it comes to white people, it's just like, oh, like, you are, are you okay? Do you need anything? Like, how can we help you? But with black people, it's kind of just like, get over it. Mm. Like, it's not, it's not that deep, like, Mm. Just, just go on walks. Just, just like relax. But like, no, like there is, and it's even on a deeper level when it comes to Black people because of post-traumatic slave syndrome, and just how Black people are still affected by slavery today. Mm. So it's like we're not just dealing with today's bullcrap. We're dealing with centuries worth of bullcrap. So like. We have even more reason to feel the way that we do. Yeah, that was deep. <laughs> Sorry. Guys, now that I'm thinking about my grandmother, she um, comments a lot on my cousin and his mental health journey. And I don't think she sees it like a mental health thing because my cousin experienced a lot of trauma from his childhood. Mm-hmm. From his parents being the best parents to him and everything. And that trauma, he's 27 now, 28. Mm-hmm. And that trauma, as you as you'll see if you know him, like is still very apparent. And like I know because like I understand trauma, I understand how it works. But my family is just like he's just crazy. Mm-hmm. He's yes. needs help. Mm-hmm. He needs to stop smoking as much weed or drinking so much. He needs mm-hmm. to go back to work. And I'm like he's dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. And I'm not pointing any fingers, but I think if my family had stepped in when he was younger, going through what he's going through with his parents, mm-hmm. he probably would end up the way he is now. Mm-hmm. And his yeah. little sister. Um, going the same thing and she's only 12 or mm. 11 and I'm just like I don't want to see her end up like a brother because right. of what she experienced and I feel like the age of 11 is such a 
a really tender age because you know you're in middle school or going to middle school and it's like you're experiencing experiencing bullying as well as coming home to trauma Mm -hmm. and then it can be a whole cycle of just Mm -hmm. very negative negative energy and my family is just they're older and they don't really understand how trauma works and even though their own traumas, you know, mm-hmm. like they don't even they don't know that's trauma mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because people think trauma is like this hurricane that has to happen in your life, oh and it's like God. it can it can be anything small. It can be Talk as simple as you it. tripping on ice and you breaking your foot. Like mm-hmm. that's trauma. That's trauma. And I just think if we discuss these things more, especially in schools, mm-hmm. we'd have a lot less issues in our life. Um, let's see here. Question I have. So, did you have any shame around your diagnosis when you were diagnosed last year? No, not at all. I was really? like, thank God. Yeah. I was like, this makes so much sense. Thank you for, it's like the scales from while were removed from our eyes. I was just like, it makes so much sense of why I am the way that I am. Wow, you felt relieved? Mm-hmm. That's so great. I think when I was diagnosed with anxiety, I'm with my therapist. Uh, I'm going to say, I don't know, I forgot how I felt. I don't think I felt bad about it. I think prior to going therapy, when I didn't really understand what it was, I was very ashamed. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was just going crazy or like mm-hmm. I just was insecure and no confidence. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening to me. But yeah, when I think when I got diagnosed, I was like, oh, and then I started discussing it more and realizing that my friends had the same thing that I had. I was like, oh, this ain't, this ain't mm-hmm. not new. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you disclose your disorder to friends, family, or people you meet at work? Or I mean, if it comes up, but I haven't really... I still feel like, especially recently, since I've been feeling better, it hasn't come up. Mm. Like, if somebody asks, I'll tell them. Or if, like, it comes up in conversation, I'll mention it. I don't... I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know at the end of the day, it might help someone else, too. So, like, I'm not a... It's not, like, a secret. Right, right. Yeah, I just hear people, like, feel like sometimes at work. Or, as one guy interviewed a few weeks ago, she's talking about her... Um, I think she had ADHD. And she's talking about disclosing, and she was saying, like, you know, I don't really feel a need to disclose, like you were saying mm-hmm. earlier. She's like, if it comes up, if they ask me, I might tell them. But mm-hmm. she was saying, I find security in keeping certain things private with my yeah. life and not always being, like, upfront, like, oh, yeah, I have this. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying? She said it does make things a little easier at her job. Definitely. If, you know, she's having one of those days. Mm-hmm. But she said, I don't really just tell the whole world, like, oh, I have this. Right. (laughs) So I get that. I think with me and when I, my social anxiety that I have, um, it's like, I guess, same kind of thing. Like, I told my boss at my job when I first got hired, this Mm -hmm. is my experience. And I just, so it makes our relationship not Mm -hmm. as uneasy. Yeah. But my coworkers, no. (laughs) Yeah, it's none of their business. Yeah. And it's like, I teach kids in my job and like mm-hmm. I'll discuss with things. We'll have like sessions about mental health and also mm-hmm. like with a small group, like anxiety, what I experience. And they actually experience the same things that I have too. So it's nice like having the kids know, mm-hmm. but other adults, my coworkers are just like, yeah, no need. <laughs> um, so my, one of my last questions for you was how can society do a better job of creating environments that are easier for mental disorders to adapt to? I think first having these conversations, um, the more you talk about it, the easier it is to talk about it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it's easier to adapt to people who are dealing with issues like bipolar depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And education. The more we just like educate each other and educate ourselves, the more informed we will be on how to interact with people and situations. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know why schools don't talk about these. I was in high school, like, six years ago. Like, we never had a class on mental health. We had it on, like, sexual education. Mm-hmm. And even or, that was, like... Yeah, even that was kind of... <laughs> mm, yeah. Because <laughs> it was, like, for heterosexual people, that was, like, mm-hmm. the focus. And I was like, well, I have friends who are this or mm-hmm. gay or that or whatever. And it was just, like, they never talked about any yeah. of that stuff. And so they make it so black and white. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's gray, it's blue, it's orange. It's, oh, my God. All kinds of colors. And they just treat it like it's just this one plain thing. But I think if we did have class, like, even, like, once a week class on, like, yeah. how to, what mental disorders there are out there and how to deal with them mm-hmm. and not pushing the narrative of, like, you know, drugs, um... Because they, they try and talk about... Like I remember I was in middle school with the D.A.R.E. thing. D.A.R.E.? Oh, God. And I'm like, okay, weed oh is bad. God. It's going to kill you. Like, <laughs> that was also broad and <laughs> so, horrible. Yes, but they push this near them of like, saying all drugs. And then, like, you have a whole drug problem in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. So I was like, what no, are you talking about? <laughs> Nothing is working. Oh, my God. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we had more mental health classes. We'd have less drug issues and less mm-hmm. alcohol issues. And even probably, like... Um, you know, food issues too. So yeah, there's uh, there's so much that's like intertwined. So much of it.